Season 2020, Episode 10, Trumpet and Needles. We have riders on circuits and the media is flowing. Manuel investigates Dobby's third chapter and another deep dive in the Manuel incident. It's time for the Pacino Report. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pacino Report. It's our 10th episode. We made it 10 episodes ago. This was just an idea in my head that I was annoying a, uh, an amazing uh, Spanish journalist with constantly. He gave in. 10 episodes later, we've got the Pacino Report in front of you, ladies and gentlemen. It's been seven days since the last episode. I've had the TPR minions scouring the interwebs for all of the events and news. It's now time to bring them back here and present the real news to you our loyal listeners. Look, I've, I've got to be straight with you, uh, people. Manuel's actually got me quarantined within the uh, corporate studio that's on the uh, 47th floor of the Pacino Corporate Tower in downtown Adelaide. <laughs> and I only get to communicate with real people when the team checks in. So I'm looking forward to this as much as you guys are. So ladies and gentlemen, I can hear laughing in the background. I don't get to see people. I just get to look through monitors. So I can see them through the haze. I can obviously hear you laughing. Stu, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm very well, thank you, Dave, my friend. Uh, I hope everyone's doing uh, doing all right out there in podcast land. It's been a, another crazy seven days in, uh, in in COVID lockdown here in uh, here in sunny Queensland, Australia. We're, we're starting to starting to ease on the on the uh, the, the the lockdown rules. Oh, so you're allowed is, out, which is fantastic. So yeah, yeah. Although Mel has me yeah. under lock and key. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've been able to move fifty kilometres away from home this week, which is fantastic. And I've been able to party with no more than 10 people in the same room, which, if anybody knows me, that's quite difficult. I need at least 20 people to have a party. Yeah, I don't go um, to those parties anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're no good at all. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it's been another fantastic week of, uh, of MotoGP news. As ever, we're getting closer and closer to racing, which is oh, just so exciting. My whole body's buzzing. By um, my calculations, week- in four weeks' time, we'll be at a racetrack. I know. I, how scary is that? Oh. I know. Bits of me started tingling when I figured that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll be we'll be mentally at a racetrack. We won't physically be at a racetrack, unfortunately, because there can be no public and no media at a racetrack. Um, but uh, of all the suit. of all the crazy news that's been going around this week, the one that's really uh, uh, caught my eye is, um, is is the news that UK test rider Michele Pirro said the ban on MotoGP wildcards this season is unfair. And he suspects that the decision could be related to Honda not wanting Jorge Lorenzo to race for Yamaha, which <gasps> I think tells me, one, that Michele Pirro needs to stop smoking the broccoli. And <laughs> or have more. And two, paranoia is alive and well in yes. MotoGP. So for that reason alone, Michele Pirro gets my... Face palm of the week. I love that sound. My favourite sound. People have got too much time to think, don't they, while they've been locked up? They do. Up. That's exactly that, right. That, that's, that's the it. voice of Andrea. How are you, my dear? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much. Glad to be back again. I think we're all going a little bit stir crazy. So having these little get-togethers each week um, definitely is a highlight of my week at the moment. Of course, till we get back to work full time, because who doesn't want to do that? Um, <laughs> I just want to make Go on an orderly cue to the left. <laughs> I'm going to be a podcast um, person. What are they called? What are we called? Anyway, um, this week we've had lots of fun on on podcaster. It's like a YouTuber, but a podcaster. Anyway, um, it's been a great week on social media. It's been really great interacting with everyone, having the messages. We're getting emails. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Robert. He sent us a fantastic photo of Melissa Paris that he took. I think he, he took it, right, Dave? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, in Phillip Island this year. Amazing photo. And Andrew um, made some comments about my pronunciation of Les Mans. So I just <laughs> wanted to give him a shout out because basically it's never going to be the same again. So we're going to meet people and, and we're going to know who's listened because they're not going to be able Straight to pronounce away. it correctly anymore. The followers are also giving us book reviews now, so they obviously think that we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> but 
that's where, and I think they mentioned it. Where I'm stuck in a bit of a thing here because I go to research, but I don't want to learn things too quickly because I've got to maintain my role as the apprentice. Yep. So I, I've, I've got the easiest job out of everyone here. I just do nothing. So you think um, if you learn too much, you have to fire you at the end of season one and get someone else in for season much. two. Then maybe you can take on one of my kids or something, take on someone yeah. else that doesn't know. I've got a five-year-old. That, that'll do. Um, and the other thing, I saw Rossi got a trophy. I know. Stu? He got a podium. Oh, yep. my How God. How happy was he? It's the he happiest smiling. I've seen him in years. I'm really smiling. proud because this is one of the only events that Manuel doesn't cover in MotoGP, so I feel I as though we're <laughs> the subject matter experts. Not at all. <laughs> he Stephen Bradbury'd it. That's it. Oh, did he? I didn't watch this one. Oh, he completely did. He completely did. Manuel's hey, put a winner on. is still a winner. Manuel's put us on well, mute as soon as we talk about eSport. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's safe I want to, them to keep to... it going once the proper racing's back. I think they should keep doing the virtual races too. <laughs> Manuel's hilarious. With the MotoGP riders, yes. And that voice you can hear in the background is the uh, big boss himself, uh, Mr. Vecino. If, I, if I'm very, very nice to this man, he may allow me to see daylight in the uh, next couple of days and as my quarantine gradually starts to get uh, released. Uh, how are you, boss? Hi guys, how are you? Good to see you again. One week without hearing you has been like paradise. You're <laughs> <laughs> supposed to That's say that when we're not recording. <laughs> that was not for you, of course. Yes. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I understand completely what you're saying. <laughs> but no, guys, nice to see, to hear you and to see you again. And now ready to to keep on doing our podcast. We are on number ten. That's amazing, eh? Fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. Every pad starts with one podcast. We have already 10. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Who would have thought? Manuel, what's your thought on the virtual races? Do you think they should keep doing them? Uh, look, virtual races for me is like Moto E, the same. Nothing. It's air. You know, the air. <laughs> 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 It's like yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating. The Moto E is so fr- I want to like it so badly. That Moto E, I really do. I can see it's going to be the future. You know, you you should love it. But then the for, bike the bike for, goes past. Stu, fortunately, that future I won't see. That future, yeah, it's ex- too far ex- away. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be dead way before then. It'll be yeah, fine. exactly. It- and and <laughs> I always remember what uh, Colin Edwards said about the Moto E bikes. They are like refrigerators with two wheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep, exactly. He's got a thing with household appliances because he's often referred to uh, his Honda in Superbike days as riding a couch. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it, to see him go back to a fridge reference, uh, I think there's something going on with Mr. Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> what is a Moto E? I just Googled Moto E and a, and a type of phone came up. <laughs> no, That's about this? right. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah, it's, okay. it's very, I'll it's look very it close to a friend. How would you, in from the seasoned um, journalist perspective, how would you describe Moto E, Manuel? It's a, it's a championship that Dorna has put on its feet to avoid that anybody else does it. You know, yeah, cool. Dorna yep. wanted. Wanted to avoid oh, what has happened in Formula One mm-hmm. that another promoter appeared and uh, organized a Formula E, yeah, Formula E. So, Donna said, no bike. way, so yes, they will have everything under control, and mm-hmm. basically, that's what they did. Yeah, do yeah. they just run out of power and slow down, and it's whoever gets the furthest? Mm. No, <laughs> they've, got, they've got USB power packs. Yeah. You've played Mario Kart. Their exciting races last around five laps. Yeah. You know, and they what? wouldn't sound that amazing because it sounds to me. It's like again, I still haven't seen. Yeah, there's yeah. something about the sound that gets you all in with the MotoGP. So I can't imagine this gets you tickles your pickle very much. Tickles your pickle. <laughs> that is correct. That is, that's it. Like like I say, you 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 want to like it. You really do. You know, you can yeah. see why Dorna are doing it. Um, that there's a lot of pressure about um, you know, the, the future and cutting down on burning dinosaurs, that sort of thing. Um, and so Dorna has to take control of the, of the, mm, of the conversation, which, which is fine. Um, but in doing so, the, um, yeah, uh, the, the, it's just a wet fart driving down the street. 
I, I have very clear that it's a post-championship. Yep. You know what I mean? It's a post. Because, look, mm. if it was the future, don't you question yourself why none of the six major motorcycle factories are involved in this championship? That's exactly right. So if this was the future, they should be at least they are showing and showing their customers yeah. what they are working. But they, they, none of them wanted it. In fact, uh, Dorna asked Honda if they could produce bikes for this championship. And Honda said, yes, we have the technology. We are ready. We can produce that. So Dorna said, okay, very good. Produce them. And then Dorna asked, how much are you going to pay? For these bikes Wait and, for the, it. Wait, what? And, and the maintenance. And then uh, Honda um, answer was, no, no, no. You're going to pay is, us. This yeah. is, we are promoting your brand. So it's a showroom for you. Yep. Exactly. Honda said, okay, call me when you have money. Then the second option was with Ducati. <laughs> they, they went with Ducati and Ducati said, look, we don't have the money, we don't have the budget, we don't have the infrastructure needed because if we got in this championship, we would need to open a special e-department in yep. our racing department. Mm -hmm. We don't have the money, but being a part of the Audi group, Volkswagen group, they, said, they told Orna, well, maybe uh, the Volkswagen group would like to do this as an image uh, marketing stuff, right? So Gigi Dalinia prepared a full uh, schedule and a full, uh, how do you say, um, project mm -hmm. of this Moto E. And this project was sent to Germany for, to, to the headquarters of the Volkswagen group. And uh, finally, they decided it was not worth. So at the end, Dorna had to race with these uh, electric bikes that is... Uh, Mr. Nobody's bike, you know. It's it's a company called Enel, E N E L, not anal, Enel, which is <laughs> <laughs> depends what accent you're speaking uh -huh. with. Which, it? funnily enough, it's an Australian-based company. Though they started of in course it is. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Couldn't come from anywhere else. pronounced anal. Anal. Okay. Anal. Yeah. Look, ladies and gentlemen, that's a, that's a, that, that's a wrap for the show. That's. It's We're all done. downhill from here, I promise. <laughs> yes, Andrew, you had your um, that look on your face of the, you were something to like chime in on this one. Oh no, I've got to stop. It's, it's <laughs> I've got to stop. <laughs> oh, we could talk about this all day. Don't worry. I don't, the listeners yeah. don't understand how challenging it is every week to not swear or say the things that come into my head <laughs> and almost fall out my rating. mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need to get a bleep out noise and then we can just swear as much as we want and then we get a... Can we aid and ask? <laughs> we need our sound if guy to tee that up for us. Going back to the conversation we had last week, the two-stroke, 500cc two-stroke noise. We yep. could have that. Or just we could a use a Moto e-bike sound. Move on if we could, please, ladies and gents. <laughs> Manuel, there's been a ton of news coming out of Dorna again. As I said, we're, we're under 28 days until uh, bikes go live. As I said, we're going to have bikes on stands, tyres on warmers in four weeks' time. You've got the bunny suit ready. Um, the tunnel's <laughs> nearly complete. Yeah. It's the finishing touches. The Mexicans uh -huh. are, are yep. doing a good work. Our chap <laughs> and his friends are fully at work. <laughs> and, guys, check out the photo I posted on my Instagram on Andrew underscore the Pacino report. It's of Rossi. That It's a picture that he posted of training on the ranch, and Ooh. he's like flat out, and I don't know who the photographer is, eyeball but training. oh, my God, and his eyeballs are staring straight down that lens. But That's he's my favourite photo oh, for 2020 so far. It, is incredible. Are you sure he's out. moving? I think it was taken stationary. Yeah, I think it might have been. Uh, no, it was not. It's one of those rig photos. They just they just hang the bike out there and they just let children yeah, yeah, yeah. sit on anyway, it. Anyway, keep going, David. <laughs> well, the news from Dorna, please. That's the only yeah, one. Then, I think that the, the best news of the week is the one uh, Andrew just mentioned, that is uh, that the riders are back into action, right? Yeah. It's the most positive message that could come out and nobody better than the big ambassador to 
to post it. You exactly. know, when we mm. see Valentino on his leathers riding, yep. it's like a, a you know a, a breath of fresh air, yeah. saying that the the black nights are uh, ending. You know, yeah. we have been at least here in Europe, <clears throat> we have had. 11 weeks of really, really dark night. Mm. But now the sun, like, uh, the sun is coming out again. Yep. It's no accident that those photos hit social media. They, they, no, they, they know what they're doing. It's yeah. fantastic. And uh, to add to do this, look, um, there has been already racing happening in Austria, in Spielberg. That is very good. Uh, it has been a fundraise, but there has been some uh, Moto2 rider like Schroeder, mm -hmm. uh, Folger that have raced there. So it's working. Yep. Misano has also been opened. There has been rider training. They mentioned Michele Piro before he ate that broccoli, was riding there some <laughs> bikes. He clearly didn't have the test before he got on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, there we are. We are waiting uh, for June that Dorna is giving out the final statement about the championship. Mm -hmm. But a super good news is that the Spanish championship organized by Dorna, will start on July the 4th. Nice. It will start. It's very funny because it will have a race on July the 4th, and the following race will be July 16th, the same day than the Grand Prix, and both races will be done in Portugal. Oh, wow. Right. At Estoril? Yeah, one Ooh. in Estoril and the other one down there in south in the Algarve, no? Algarve, mm -hmm. yeah. where, where the other track is. So, so this is fantastic. And I think, uh, you know, that the Spanish Championship is organized also by Dorna. So it will be a very good experiment to see how they can handle a paddock. Nice. Uh, so are the, are the Spanish tracks open now? Like, can the, can the riders... In no, Spain. not yet. We are we are behind. The tracks right. in Andorra are open. The riders are testing. Okay. But look here in in Spain, for example, all the riders that have uh, are federated horse mm -hmm. riding and whatever sport, which are more or less professional, are open. So the motorcycle uh, federated must get also this chance soon. We are the, the wheel is starting to turn, and this is uh, good news. That's absolutely fantastic news, considering, as you said, the dark nights that have been before. And mm -hmm. I'd suggest um, or give recommendation to the listeners to head to Ruben Zaus's Instagram page. Um, this is an individual who has been locked up in Italy um, for you know the best part of 11 weeks, and he posted some GoPro footage um, of some of his first laps around uh, one of the um, Andorran minibike tracks. I honestly thought that it was in fast forward. Um, does, <laughs> if, if, if that is what someone is like after being locked up after 11 weeks, oh, yeah. <laughs> it is insanely fast. <laughs> so. Yeah, but look, Ruben, Ruben has been always, you know that he was uh, at his uh, time, he was a Ducati factory rider in mm -hmm. Superbike. Superbike yeah. And he has been always, always uh, super fast and efficient doing uh, super motard. Yes. Mm. Because he's he's very tall. He's about two meters high. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say he's built for supermotard. That's perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very tall. So for him, a normal supermotard is like a mini bike for us. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes. It was just incredible to watch. Yeah. Yeah. On my comment about Charles, you can realize that um, <laughs> he's not one of my favorites. <laughs> All right. Let's add him to the Manuel incident <laughs> for next week. There we go. All right, point taken. Mm -hmm. I'm going to store that out my sleeve and spring it on you as a surprise. So, Manuel, you've also been uh, speaking uh, with uh, insiders within Ducati this week. Um, you've given some indication sort of offline that um, there's now a flood of news coming out of uh, Ducati. Uh, would you like to sort of walk some of the listeners through that? Oh, yes, it's very interesting. And I think the best news, especially for you down under, is that Jack Miller has been confirmed as a factory rider from yeah. for 2021. <laughs> yep. We broke it here Fine. last week. We did. We Aussies broke it here back. last week. Aussies are back, finally. Yep. Yes. And everyone else was and picking up through the week. But it was you heard it here first from Manuel Pacino. <laughs> yeah, the, the announcement will be done soon, I think, 
probably this week or the following week, the latest. And uh, this has been, uh, and this is just one of the news that comes out from Borgo Panigale, okay, from Ducati, because uh, in this moment there is a big, uh, I wouldn't say mess, but uh, movement in Ducati, right? Uh, having confirmed Jack Miller as uh, one of the riders of the factory team, the question is who will be his teammate, correct? Of course, yeah. And uh, it should be, normally, it should be Andrea Dovizioso because after having failed in getting Vinales, after having not been able to get Marquez, Quartararo, Rins, there is not much more that is out there for Ducati, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is that uh, once again, there is a big, uh, no, big no, there is a misunderstanding between Dovizioso and the management of Ducati. Still, right? that's still going on. Yeah, we have seen, there is no peace. It's like, um, do you say in English, a convenience um, marriage? A marriage of inconvenience, yeah. Yeah, there is no love. In, there is no love in this marriage, you know, just a marriage of convenience. Because, look, if you, if you go back in time, if we quickly go back in time, since uh, the arrival of Gigi Dalinia in Ducati, there has been a misunderstanding uh, between him and Andrea Trovizioso, right? Mm -hmm. Remember when uh, Lorenzo, Jorge Lorenzo arrived in Ducati, Ducati had to fire one of the two Andreas that were in the team, mm -hmm. which were Andrea Giannone and Andrea Dovizioso, right? Yep. The, this was in two, 2017. So the choice, the choice of Ducati was Andrea Giannone. So they decided to keep Andrea Giannone and told Andrea Dovizioso that he could leave and look for another place to race. What happened? That what happened when uh, Ducati showed. Andrea Janone, the contract they had for him, Janone refused to continue with Ducati and went to Suzuki. So Ducati had to call back Andrea Dovizioso, right? So, and Andrea Dovizioso had to swallow that uh, contract to race with Jorge Lorenzo. That means that he was really upset. And in my opinion, this was a boost for him winning that year six uh, Grand Prix in a row. Okay. So the situation oh, that completely. Ducati find themselves in now actually started in 2017. Yes, there is a big, you know, the, the problem is a, a lack of trust but for, uh, from the head of Ducati to his number one rider. It's, it yeah. sounds very strange, but uh, there is a, really a lack of trust. So this episode, we had one episode, then we had another episode uh, after Lorenzo left, where Dovizioso was in a strong position, and he was the one who imposed the conditions to, uh, to Ducati, right? Mm. So at this point, they, they are even, and now it comes to the new contract. Is Dovizioso going to stay in Ducati or not? That's the question now. And what are your so thoughts? What's the, news on the, what's the news on the street? Yeah. Look, I, I, I have a question for you. Okay. If Dovizioso leaves... No, I put it another way. Who needs more at this time? Ducati Dovizioso or Dovizioso Ducati? Andra, you go with that. I was about to ask what the answer is. Um, <laughs> hang on, I've got a bottle cap. Let me let me flip it. Ready, ready, ready. That's not how questions work. Well, for, <laughs> for for mine, I I would say realistically that comes back to if Dovi is to leave, what is the alternative? Who is sitting Very in the good. exactly? Who is That's sitting what in I was the wings? Say, Stu, you, you beat me. Thank you. Oh, just just by a millisecond. So when you when you put it that way, Ducati needs Dovi more. Because there's no one obviously waiting in the wings. There is. Manuel disagrees with you. Look, no, look, no, his face. look the, the, the sequence to get to the answer is very clear. Okay, who needs who? What would be, which would, would be the alternatives? Then you put on the table the possible alternatives. Mm -hmm. Okay, in this equation, Jack is a fix, right? Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. a fixed then sum, you, yeah. You, you just look around. It would be Jack with Petrucci, 
Jack with Zarko, Jack with Morbidelli if they try to get him. Does any of these couples say something to you? No. Nothing says championship. Yeah. And it's like throwing a coin into the air and wait uh, what side comes out, right? Exactly. Okay. This um, sequence now gets to what Dovizioso gives to Ducati. Dovizioso obviously won't win the championship anymore because he has the best of Dovizioso we have seen, but he guarantees at least some victories along the year. He gives them race wins. He gives them podiums, okay. yeah. yeah. Race wins, which we don't know if it's going to happen with Jack and who else, right? Yeah. So there we have the answer. Yeah. Didn't we all put our money on Jack so it doesn't matter who else is riding? <laughs> <laughs> the conversation stopped for Andrew after. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll ride the other bike. Jack, Jack, can, Jack can ride. Oh, I'll, I'll ride as well. Didn't we say at the beginning that within like three weeks I'd be out there racing? Yes. <laughs> Bloody coronavirus, I would have been there. there. Just getting back to Dovi's options, though, it's coming out in um, alternate media uh, that Mark within the Repsol team is potentially not feeling the love. Uh, that I know that's speculation. I know it's rumour. We don't deal in that. Keep seeing images, like rendered images of the Honda yeah, well, Repsol with I, I zero four on it. The The... I think the Mexican are exporting broccoli a lot around the world. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's the new business of our friends that are digging tunnels in Spain. I think someone said it was a cure for the virus. For me, so, that was a bit of a dream team and the ability to, to, to crush the, the, the um, Panagale factory. It was to have Dovi and Marquez. Uh, which which Marquez is <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark not feeling the love. I meant to say Alex. I apologize. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, That's yeah. why I thought about yeah. the broccoli. That's no, no, why no, 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 <laughs> um, we, we know that Mark's, you know, set for the next four years. He's, yeah, he's, a, he's it, a fixed it was entity. Was, yeah. 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 Uh, look, uh, well, th there is the speculation that, uh, yes, Dovizioso could go to Honda, but I don't see any sense, you know. Mm -hmm. I can't see any sense, and I also can't see that they would pay him what he's asking to get paid in Ducati, right? He's already taken a pay cut at Ducati. We, we, we know oh, yeah, that. no, yeah. a lot. And the mm. problem is that because it's, it's clear that Ducati factory has been closed for four weeks, okay? Mm -hmm. And this means there has been no production, right? Also, the selling of the bikes have dropped a lot. So it's clear that everyone has to readjust their incomes, riders inclusive. And True. this is yep. what, this is exactly the problem at this point, what Dovizioso or his manager does not accept. Mm. But this is a normal um, point to start a negotiation. Of course. You know, each one starts from one point and then you get where, where, where there is the deal, if there is a deal. Yeah. But I don't see Dovizioso on Honda, really. I have thought about that, and I don't see him in there. Yeah. So and the... we're seeing the same thing in other leagues as well, F1 as well, especially. Uh, there's a lot of talk of um, the, the, the riders and drivers that are expecting the same incomes that they were in previous years are dinosaurs, and there's going to be this massive readjustment over the next couple of years. Oh, yeah. This will be everywhere, especially in these yeah. sports, you know. So, all right, we can pretty much bolt down. Ducati is essentially looking at one option uh, from the factory side uh, with Miller and, and Dovi. Who is going to be – that creates a spot within uh, Pramac. So who is going to pick up the second bike within Pramac? Uh, who, were the, who were the top choices for that? Uh, I think that um, we should ask better who are going to pick up the two bikes. Ah. Remy Gardner. <laughs> we're starting that rumor now again, aren't we? Oh, right. oh wow. Yeah, well, Edward, are you, st you are starting to understand a bit of yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> understand. I understand all of it. Exactly. Only because he's my mate in, now, so I'll just recommend fact, him for everything. I tell you that I contacted Remy in these days and ask him if there was a door open there. Yes. So Andra did a good job. Yes. Okay. Andra's let, a bit psychic, maybe. Let, 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 let me quickly explain you. 
let me quickly explain you about the Plamac situation. The Plamac situation, the Plamac team is basically uh, the junior team of Ducati, right? It's a place where Ducati puts in riders who have shown something special. Mm -hmm. So they put them in their environment and then there is a process that is always the same. A young rider that arrives at the Pramac team, he has two years to show if he's capable or not. The first part... Actually racing in MotoGP, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the first part of the first season they allow this rider to get used to the bike, which is a difficult bike that we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then the second part of the first season, they expect that this, this rider to show something. Top 10 results. Yep. Mm -hmm. To show, to show performance, a grow. Let's say the grow from the first, from the first part of the season. And then the second season, this rider have to really put on the table uh, his skills and to to show what he's capable. If he doesn't show what they expect, he gets kicked out of the team with no mercy. This is the process, and I think that's uh, yeah. pretty pretty correct. In yeah. this situation, is actually Peko Banyaya. Peko Banyaya right. did really underperform last year with what they expected from him. So Peko is under a lot of pressure, probably more than Jack in the factory team, because Peko knows that he has to perform. If not, he will be uh, dismissed. Correct? So there is no Fair fixed uh, rider for Pramac in the next contract. Then who is going to take uh, Jack Miller's bike in the, that team? I know, I know because I have been told this, that there is a Moto2 rider. They have already signed with yep. a Moto2 rider. And, and, Spanish, there, and there is where Andra's uh, guess jumps into this equation. So are they not saying who that rider is? Mm, uh, not to me. <laughs> not to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, can tell you, I can tell you that in Ducati for years, they have been kind of in love with Jorge Martin. That's the guy that I've heard. That's yeah. the one. Okay. Oh, the one with the stomach. That's the one from episode eight, ladies George and gentlemen. Martin. If you want to, you want to go and have a look at the uh, cover art for <laughs> episode eight, um, that was the one that was recommended yep. uh, to Andra to uh, go and investigate his abdominal muscles. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's, in, it's important to have a strong core to ride motorbikes. Thank that's you. It. It's <laughs> all about the core strength. But yeah, that's uh -huh. that's the guy that I've heard as well. As much as much as we think that Remy would be a good fit for that ride. Yeah, I'm hearing that um, Jorge Martin is is the one that they're in love with. Yeah, they they have been for years uh, following him, uh, but in this case, my question is: you know how radical Red Bull and KTM are with their riders? So this would mean that they would allow a rider they have brought from the junior team mm. to leave to another team. Step out. This of the is system. the only thing that doesn't match in my in my story, right? Yep. And therefore, I thought that Remy, as he told us in our podcast, he's looking forward to jump uh, up into MotoGP. Mm -hmm. Could be an option, I think. That's what I'm saying. People need to have a listen because I was just thinking back from when we spoke to Remy, if there was any little hints that we could pick up on if we listened back on it. I spoke with them and they told me that the, until this moment, there were just talks and rumors, nothing fixed. Mm -hmm. So realistically, the question is, does does Remy have the relationships and Remy's management have the relationships to be able to be having the conversations with Ducati? Or is that just wishful thinking on Remy's behalf? Stu, you are reading my mind tonight. I don't know. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> it's that facial hair he's got going on. I wish our listeners could see him. Hey, um, Stu's sitting here right now with a moustache. He had a beard. But he's shaved out the bit that goes under your chin, so it's not at all. Uh, it's almost like a motorcycle handlebar, right? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> good an individual called Mark Chopper Reed, and you'll um, you'll get a very clear description of what Stu looks like tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Manuel. No, no, uh, Stu. That's exactly what I thought. Look, if there is a chance for Remy, there are two things what are, that are going to happen. One. He will go out in the first races like dead or die because he has to show 
from the mm-hmm. very beginning. It you know, sounds to, like he will. To attract option. the attention yeah. because yeah. if mm-hmm. it shows it that in November, it's too late. Yeah. He had to show it in July and before the end of August. Mm. Then the other thing is to have a good manager. At this point, the manager is so important. You know, he, ha- he, he has to have the contacts, the ability. He has to have the ability to sell his product. Yes. Does, so, does Remy have that now? I don't know. I don't know. I I was told that it's a she that runs the the staff of of Remy. Okay. I don't know her. I don't know who she is. Is he with just one person, or is he with like an, an agency that has lots of customers? Uh, uh, we should have uh, asked him these questions, shouldn't yeah, we? Great questions for an interview, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe we need to take up another one. Do you think we can have a talk about the important things like fishing and <laughs> Dave? Yeah. And well, getting back to the other bike that will be on that that Primac team with the with Peko's bike, they obviously Ducati obviously had their eye on him for a good number of years as well, and then brought him in to Primac. What's got Ducati convinced that Jorge Mann isn't going to uh, be the same uh, as as Peko? Because Stu, I remember Stu and I at Phillip Island last year, we were. We were crazy over Pecco and his performance in Moto2. We were standing on tables, jumping up and down, screaming across fences for Pecco. Next big thing. And the um, virtual races. We must have thought he was going to be the next big thing. And when Ducati lofted him up. Um, and it's I just get, how does how does Ducati ensure themselves that Jorge Martin isn't going to, or is it just a bet that um, Jorge Martin's no. going to perform? Uh, look, uh that Peko is a talented rider, nobody can doubt because he has been incredibly talented in Moto3. In mm. Moto2, he won, I think, seven races in the year yeah. he went the champion. But if Peko would have gone in MotoGP on a Yamaha, we, would, uh, we wouldn't okay. be talking about uh, Quartararo. We would be talking about Peko. Okay. Banyaya, okay? Okay. So, look... For example, I, I understood that something with Banyaya wasn't very right when in Le, in Le Mans, in Le Mans this year, <laughs> Andras, I haven't heard of that place. Never heard of it. <laughs> What's that? Where's that? In Le Mans this year, I asked him how did he feel in a track stop and go like the French one. Mm-hmm. You know, Le Mans is a track with straight corner, straight corner with no secret. Mm. <laughs> I was so surprised when he answered me, no, 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 for me, Le Mans is not a stop and go uh, circuit, but a flowing track. I said, what? (laughs) And then the other night, I mean, three or four nights ago, I had a chat with Peko. And I was told that my problem is that I ride the bikes like Jorge Lorenzo. He's a guy with a long, with a lot of uh, corner speed. Yeah, right. flow. Yeah. yeah, and this on the Ducati doesn't work. Doesn't work. Yeah, long swing arm, turn and go. And you know he's like his his style is like uh, Max Biaggi style, like Lorenzo style, and he has to re re uh, adapt his riding to the Ducati. And this was the problem he has had because nobody can doubt about his ability to ride. In that regarding Jorge Lore, uh, Jorge Martin, he's a much more aggressive rider. Heartbreaking rider, you know, much. Up. So this is what um, Ducati has seen in, in Jorge Martin. I'm going to do it again. I'm actually going to refer you to an Instagram post um, of this time of uh, Maverick Vinales with on the same track that Ruben was uh, riding with, but uh, Vinales was riding with, with, with the minibike track with Jorge Martin. And he said there's this footage of how deep under brakes um, I'm assuming they're the same bike, but how deep under brakes Jorge was able to claw Maverick back. Um, and you could see very, very clearly, it was one of the first times I've been able to see it, of Maverick has got that get-the-bike-upright MotoGP style and let the power take him out. But Jorge has yet to figure that out. He's got going in. He closed six, seven bike links on Maverick, mm. but lost it on the exit out. Yeah, mid And that was, for me, it was just like he's already unlocked 50% of of what his mind may need on a Ducati, um, so yeah, for me that was a, that was a standard. I'll also put that in the show notes. 
I'm educating myself completely on MotoGP through Instagram this week, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> Go the gram. He's all over it. Go, Stu. Manuel, random question for you without notice. So how would you have seen the 2019 season if you'd have swapped around Peko Bagnaia and Franco Morbidelli's rides? You put Ooh. Morbidelli onto that Ducati and you put Peko Bagnaia on the Yamaha. How do you think those uh, results would have come? And how do you think Quattararo would have handled that? Yeah, look, I I have learned in all these uh, years that the statistics are very important in racing because nothing happens uh, from one day to another. Peko has been better rider than the others in Moto3 and Moto2. And there are the results. Mm. Okay, why shouldn't it be different in... Uh, in uh, look, in Moto2, all the bikes are the same. Exactly, right? yeah, true, yeah. So there you can see who is who. Mm-hmm. Then you switch to MotoGP and each bike is different. Okay, you can get to the same point, but you can go through different uh, paths to the same point. Mm-hmm. One are more difficult than the others. So the, the answer is there. Fair enough. Do you think Morbidelli's style would have suited the, the Ducati more than the Yamaha if he, if he had the chance to switch though? Uh, Morbidelli went through this nightmare that was the Honda. Right when he arrived in MotoGP, yeah, the true. same nightmare uh, Luti went through, the same uh-huh. nightmare Poor Tito Thomas. Rabat went through. Yes. This, this Honda was a dream killer, you know? And the yeah. same nightmare that Miller went through, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Jack yep. suffered that. Yep. that. Yep. So it's, uh, it, it, that, uh, 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 no, that uh, customer bike was a, a dream killer. Yeah. So, Andrew, for, for for your sake and for the sake of those that are um, that, that are maybe not educated in the in the finer <laughs> details, yeah, that's right. So, yep. as we've been talking about, Ducati has the, the factory team and then what they call a satellite team, mm-hmm. um, yep. which is you know almost almost factory level stuff um, that that they use to to bring riders maybe up to the to the factory team. Honda has the similar sort of sort of thing. So they have the factory Honda team. And then they have the satellite teams, like a second secondary team, I think. And, and and Manuel and Dave, you can correct me on this if if I'm wrong as well. So with Honda, they tend to use last year's hardware a lot more than Ducati. Ducati tend to with the with the Pramac team, they sometimes put their riders on this year's hardware for the for the Pramac guys. But I think Honda tend to put their satellite riders on last year's hardware. Is is does that is that fair? Yes, in Honda and in Ducati, there has been three out of their four bikes are um, last year's specs, right? Mm. And then there is one exactly for the young, for the freshman, for the newcomer, for the rookie. There is one for him just get used to ride the bike. <laughs> it's basically okay. a tricycle. The throwaway. <laughs> Yeah, and because no, they they they, they because to get Is, used to ride the motorcycle. Can we call it the Jonathan Ray bike? No, Jonathan had the factory. <laughs> 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 yeah, what what they pretend is to. Uh, make the life of the rookie less complicated as possible. Yeah. They give him a bike that has already raced for one year, and that's it. While the factory bike, they are constantly changing, and this confuses a lot somebody who has not experienced because he doesn't know what has changed, why, why is it working, or why isn't it working. So that's a normal process. Mm. Look, ladies and gentlemen, there's obviously that's just the tip of this iceberg uh, when it oh. comes to Ducati. If you if you want to do a whole episode on this, I know uh, I can feel it starting to wind up. Yeah. <laughs> or ten, <laughs> or, yeah. Obviously, uh, Manuel's putting um, terrific amount of work into into covering that one. So yeah, head to the uh, Pacino platform to to follow more on that one. But I can see Andra bouncing up and down because she's watching the clock wind no, down. My beer's just empty. To, to, <laughs> to her favourite segment. Uh, it's time for the Manuel incident. Who would like dun, to lead dun, off this week, ladies and gentlemen? Dun, dun, me. All right, I'm very excited about this one. And this, this shows that I am slowly learning. I've picked this person because we've had discussions and you have educated me in um, how riders don't generally go up and down once they're in MotoGP. They don't drop back. 
unless you're Rossi next year. Going to Moto Two. That in. It's not a farewell, remember. Um, and also, you know, we talk about the bikes, and anyway, yeah. So this person, I can't pronounce his name, so I apologise now. Um, oh, oh. We'll just see how you're, we go when we get to that. Okay. Say his name, remember? Yeah, that's, that's, name that's not how this works. All right, you guys can say his name. <laughs> so I know that Manuel will know of this guy because he's Spanish. Um, he started in 125 cc's in 2004. <laughs> I'm doing good, aren't I? Juicy's old. No, no podiums. Went on to the 250 cc in 2006 until 2009. No podium. In 2009, he was offered a deal with, oh, God, here we go, Camper Letter Racing, but it was withdrawn, leaving him without a ride. So he had two substitute appearances for, <laughs> I should have drank more beer before this, <laughs> Belton Ring, is that right? While acting as a sure. Moto2 development rider. Yep. Sorry, I hope you're all keeping up with this. There's lots of pronunciations here. I think Manuel's here, got it already. Names, I don't know. Oh, yeah, pro- you know? No, 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 <laughs> no, continue, look. continue, I'm looking. Okay. He raced in two MotoGP races that year for Pramac, Pramac, yeah. yep. and signed with them to race in 2010. No podium. <laughs> in 2011, he went back to Moto2, where he finished 12th overall, getting his first podium finish. So he went back. Came up, went back down, yep. He did. He then returned to MotoGP in 2012, where he has been ever since. So in his 15-year motorcycle Grand Prix career, as it stands today, he is one of two riders who have never, ever won a single event in any of the Grand Prix motorcycle racing. MotoGP is also very familiar with his younger brother, Paul. And can you please pronounce his name for me? Aleix, Aleix Espargaró. Oh, yeah, there's no way I would have got that. <laughs> Do you want me to give you my version? Wait, wait, wait. Here's yeah, the Andrew on. version. Alex S. Cargo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex the Snail. I mean no disrespect. I mean that, no disrespect. Is that why he just, didn't win any races? Because he's a snail? Because people couldn't say his name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Andrew, I've got a – your introductions are just getting better and better every week. Um, I, I might have a helper. I do have a little helper. <laughs> well, Aleish, one word about Aleish. Yeah. yeah. And, and it can't be Paul. Survivor. He's a survivor. Nice. Because Andrew perfectly described – this uh, uh, this word survivor he has survived and <laughs> up and down back and forward and mm-hmm. he's one of the I didn't know that there was another one who has never won a race in Grand Prix but this There's is an alien what, that's all I remember well anyhow this is uh, the the sign of identity of Aleix Espargaro he mm-hmm. is one of the few or one of the two who has never won a Grand Prix in how many years? 15, you say? 15 years and not yeah. even in those lower level. Just... <laughs> so, how, I mean, my questions are, sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting what you need to do here, but how does he get to MotoGP? He's obviously incredible to have done what he's done, but he's not won. So how does he get in MotoGP? How does he drop back to Moto2 and then come back to MotoGP again? Uh, I don't know, it just happened. He, and uh, for me, look, uh, in MotoGP, he has been a factory rider for Suzuki. He has been a factory rider for Aprilia. Somebody who has had so good chances without having won anything. Is it part of, I know there's, and I may be wrong here, but we've spoken to about the different teams that riders go to and there's some, you know, they want to go to the big teams. Is is this a guy that's happy to go to a team that's not necessarily going to have him winning or? Well, look, when he, when he uh, returned to MotoGP, he raced in a very strange category, which uh, it will be very long to, to explain, okay? There were bikes that were basically, there was a certain moment in the, in the championship, there were not enough bikes. So mm. they invented some MotoGP bikes that were basically uh, somehow a, a version of a street bike, correct? Mm-hmm. And there was, a, yes, there was yeah. a subdivision inside the MotoGP for these bikes. And Aleix Espargaro won this subdivision. And this gave him some not, 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 notability, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. His pedigree was was lifted. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. from there on, but look. Have you had any direct dealings with Alesh? Is there something that stands out for you from a from an experience perspective? Yeah, he's a look. He's riding. He's too aggressive riding. He breaks very hard, very hard, and but he doesn't have the speed because all the teammates he had. Look, Maverick Vinales arrived uh, in Suzuki and immediately was faster than him. You know, he has been. Uh, the thing that he seems that he isn't a bad developer because after so much experience, he probably knows how to do the job, but his limitations are in his CV. So when we think about what we spoke about last week about who's a killer and who's not a killer, would you say he's maybe missing that, that last 1% of killer instinct? He doesn't even get into the selection of... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be nice, Manuel. <laughs> we start to ask ourselves if he's a killer or not at a certain point. All right, Stu, let's walk away from uh, that one. Uh, let's just quietly and don't look at the uh, the evidence. <laughs> Can you, you redeem yourself, Stu? Do you want to kick off with the next? I actually know who yours is. Um, do you want to, uh, yes, I said, do you want yours now or do you want yours at the end? Uh, well, I, I want to do mine at the end. I, uh, I think... After Julian Ryder of last uh, podcast, that was difficult, eh? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no Dave. You, I'm going to make sure you'll get this one. No, you go, Dave. Go on. All right. I know you've um, you know your HRC guys, uh, Manuel. So I, I, I chose I chose pretty carefully on this one. Uh, he's been a part of the Honda family since 1996. He left to study in the USA in 2002. Uh, he is a chassis engineer. Bingo. <laughs> that took a long time, didn't it? <laughs> Compared to last week where we had to That's edit That's the first like time that's happened. <laughs> Takeo Yokoyama. Uh-huh. Absolutely. For the listeners, Dave, do you want to just finish? Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. He rejoined um, HRC in 2004 as a chassis designer. After three years working as Danny Pedrosa's, a, a long-time favourite of this show, he worked as um, DP's track uh, yeah, track engineer. Stunt double. A stunt double. <laughs> and he's now stepped tall. up into the role of technical director um, where he's able to use all these experience. The first question I've got before we get to man, what does a technical director do within HRC? He is um, what in other places would be called project leader. Okay. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. Because the Japanese, they have so many different ways to say the same thing. But Mm -hmm. he is basically, look, he is basically the responsible of MotoGP racing in HRC. Everything goes through him. Wow. So no pressure. Yeah, exactly. a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. So how would that you is... how would you uh, describe Takeo in uh, one word? Uh, you look. How do you say it in English? Race junkie. Oh, really? Cool. Okay. Okay. Absolute. Look, I did right. an interview with him. I tried to 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 find out the B side of all these uh, people, right? Mm-hmm. Doing a series of interviews called "Whoever It Is in the Mirror," mm-hmm. looking himself in the mirror, right? And I, when I sat down with them, I said, "Look, I want to know what you see when you look into the mirror. What do you like from yourself? Which, with sin, you are more um, flexible, and which one do you don't forgive, and so on, so on." So when I sat down with uh, Takeo. <laughs> he told me, and I was with my eyes open like like this, you know. Like he, dinner he, plates, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I I asked him, well, uh, what do you do when you are not racing? He said, I think about racing. I said, well, <laughs> and I told him, no, but you have a family. You have a family. He said, yes, yes. I have a think family. About racing too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but look at look at the answer. It was like. Then he has a family and he has two children, right? Young children, because mm. he tells me that he goes to the park with them. 
And then he says, look, when my children are playing on the slider, you say slider in the park, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am thinking how I can do my bike faster in that corner, whatever it is. <laughs> wow, that's, that's dedication. <laughs> oh, brilliant. He's, and I tell you something more. He's the super big boss in Honda. He has a legion of Japanese engineers there working for him. Mm. And he's the first to arrive at the track and the last to leave. He has an extreme, uh, not aggressive, but challenging character when he's in racing. He has faced Lorenzo many times inside the garage when he was, Lorenzo was there. Mm -hmm. So he's super demanding uh, with the people that work around him, but he can do this because he's the most demanding for himself. He sets the standard high himself by the sound He's of a it. racing junkie, 100%. Yeah. How would you describe him in one word? Racing junkie. Racing junkie, okay. All right. Two words means one in Spanish. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> Two English words equals one Spanish word. Well, call him junkie, but then you have to explain. In, in, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a junkie. Hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Headlines, man. <manual>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I, I like this guy already. Nice. No, Takeo, where is the needle? Guy. Where is the needle, Takeo? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in what the a motorbike. character. As tempting as it would be for the, for the headline, there's, there's, there's no way I'd ever do that to, the, uh, to that man. It was far too much respect. So thank you, Manuel. Um, yeah, Fantastic. I was going back through some of your uh, interviews and I went, no, this is someone that I want he's to. He's one of those individuals in the paddock. And Andrew, when racing does start, um, he does stand out. From a from a physical perspective, um, he looks, moves, and behaves very, very differently. I mean, you can pick him in camera footage very, very quickly. And uh, he's a Western Japanese, due to what uh, David explained. He went to the states, and now I am mm -hmm. telling here something that nobody knows. He went to states to study, but then he realized that in the time he had to be in the states there would be no time for him to learn. So what did mm -hmm. he do? He traveled for one year around uh, the United States trying to understand the Western culture. Oh, cool. oh my goodness. How did that work out? Meeting friends, uh, talking with people, just to understand how we okay. think. Yep. That's incredible. It's yeah. amazing, isn't that? And, and I think that shows. Um, as I said, in the first couple of races, I'll point him out to you, Andre. He said, once yeah. the camera's yeah. over him, you'll never be able to not see him again. Mm -hmm. um, he has very much stage presence. Um, he's a he very, very powerful character. If we ever get a chance, if we ever get a chance, I want to sit down with a bottle of whiskey with this guy. Yep. <laughs> I, I asked him which was the thing that he... Ne Less forgives in a person, no? Uh, mm. And he said, the lie. Mm -hmm. If somebody lies to me, and this also, think of this, uh, uh, linking it to his job. When a rider comes into garage and tells something that he knows is not true, this mm -hmm. upsets him. Yep. So, and I imagine he'd pick it straight away too. He sounds very intuitive. And Speaking mm. of upsetting... It's over to you, Stu. I'm actually Yay. going to step away from the microphone on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Dave knows this, who it is. This is going to be a go. bombshell. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Now, just precursing this with this is the Manuel incident. This is the Pacino report. This is complete honesty. There, there are no agendas oh, here. no. Okay. <laughs> so this motorsports personality is recognized by everyone in the MotoGP paddock. Whether he's there or not, everybody knows who he is. Hailing from Spain, his interests span far beyond the action on the track. He's an accomplished Jaya Lai player. In fact, he was five times champion of Spain, and he takes a keen interest in many other forms of motorsport. Starting his early career as an engineer, he oversaw the construction of a racing complex in Spain before becoming the facility director. This clearly placed him on the path of motor racing and he soon stepped up to become the director of the Real Auto Club of Spain. Yeah, there it is. There it He's is. Not it. <laughs> Including managing Carlos Sainz in the World Rally Championship. He soon found himself heading the organization that had just acquired television rights to the Motorcycle World Championship, as it was called then. In this role, he went on to take control of multiple series, including World Superbike. 
Under his careful guidance, the development of young riders has become a priority to the point where now there is a distinct and open path for juniors to race at the highest levels. We are, of course, talking about none other than the godfather of MotoGP himself, Mr. Carmelo Espeleta. <laughs> there we go. The boss. The boss. You know that there, that is, smile a, there is a city in the Basque land called Espeleta. Really? Yeah. Is, so, is that by convenience or is yeah, that... Is that <laughs> So his origins, although he is he was born in Barcelona, I think, or in Catalonia mm -hmm. somewhere, his origins are Basques. And well, uh, well, he played as a kid, as a young man. He played um, a play they use in to play in the Basque line that is hitting a ball against the wall. I don't know how you call it. Have you ever seen that big? You know, again, and this uh, in the Basque land, yep. this is a huge sport that moves a lot of money of betting, a lot, a huge sport. Yeah. So for so for those that can't see, if anybody um, is a is a uh, a tech geek, if anyone's ever seen the movie Tron, um, where they one of the first scenes in Tron, there's two guys in a room. Each of them has like a big hook on the end of their hand, and they're throwing a ball at one another. Um, this is the very similar sport. This is Jialai. Jialai uh, so in Miami, yes. Exactly, yeah. And and this is the. Is uh, that like squash on steroids? Basically, yeah. Only yeah, instead like of having rackets, big, you have it's like these a massive big hook. hook hands and yeah. you, you hoik them at one Whoa. another and you bounce but, them off walls and it's, it's, but, in, it's but, incredible but, to watch. Uh, Stu, the ones who do this with this uh, apparel are the uh -huh. pussy ones, you know, because <laughs> the other <laughs> because wow. the other ones do that with their with their head, just with, with the, the bare hands, hitting, yeah. Yeah, with the bare hands hitting the, the ball. Okay, yep. if I have to describe Carmelo, that's a very difficult one, very difficult. Carmelo with one word. Because for me, uh, Godfather isn't a positive way to do it. No, and I and I mean that in the most positive. Yes. I, I, I apologize if anybody yeah. got a negative connotation to that. I, I mean it in the most positive way. If I, it's I mean in it a positive way, yeah. I take it from you. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He's he's done so much for the sport the and, the, and the industry. Yes, yeah, maybe just the father. Yeah, of 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 where we're at right now. Does he see himself as a father figure in the paddock, or does no, he? Yeah. he, he no. doesn't? He's the godfather of this sport. Okay. okay, he's powerful. He takes decision. He has, uh, well, yeah. He he reinvented this sport. He took this sport from the completely. He saved the sport as from a, from yes. my perspective. Yeah, yep. no, and it was before. It was just uh, friends racing, you know, basically. Mm colleagues, mates, racing, and now he turned it into something professional. A global machine. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what, what I've seen in, um, in, in looking at the, at the history of Dorna as well since, since he stepped up is, as I, as I said at the end there, the, the work that he's done with junior leagues around the, around the place as well. Yeah, no, he thinks, look, he, has, he doesn't think in the, the today. He thinks forward. And he plans because he knows how to, he has clear that he, how he wants, he has to feed his business, mm -hmm. futurize. This he yep. has. So, and I have to tell you something. In my opinion, he has learned. He didn't, okay. he, he's not a person like he has, he was born knowing what to do. He has learned. He has done many mistakes, many, but he has until he got to the place where he's now. This is important, you know, because he has failed, but he has, he has kept going forward, and at the end he has, find, he has found the structure and the way to do things. I think okay. the, the fruit of that uh, process is definitely uh, starting to show us that it's one of the strongest championships um, you know, in a motorsport perspective, if not um, globally, in global sport. Um, Stu, I know you're a huge Formula One fan, but the competitiveness that um, Camelo's guidance has has resulted in, I said, you know, have a look at the times in the top ten, top fifteen. Oh, indeed, and that's just unprecedented. Um, yep. and then that's come under on 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 his watch, and I don't think that's any mistake. 
So from, from my perspective, thank you. Um, yeah, this is a sport I love. I said it's, it's, only, it's only improving. And I tell you something that is absolutely unique in MotoGP, and this is a merit of the one who runs the sport. The, the stars are still, how do you say, you can access to them. Yes, mm. absolutely. Yes. yes. Exactly. You know, the Formula One riders, they, they live like in a, in a, a cage. Bubble. Yeah, in a bubble. In a bubble yeah. is the word, yeah. yes. Yeah. We, we still have access with them. We can interact. I have the telephone number of Valentino. I have the telephone number of different riders. Yeah, can we'll you imagine this? Can you, Hang on, wait, 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 what? Andrew's like, you've got whose number? <laughs> so this is unimaginable in other sports. I don't know, in the most popular sport in, in Australia, Australian football or whatever yeah. you, you play. Yeah. Or rugby, or or I'm, I'm throwing. I'm not going to mention the one you do too like. I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> but in which other sport, they, they you have access to these people, and exactly. they are open, and you can sit down with them and have a coffee. None other sport, and this is merit also from the format that Carmelo has given to his show. Let's end that on that um, absolute high for yeah, the, the sport that uh, all brought us here and uh, we all love. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for listening into a, an, our 10th anniversary uh, podcast. That's what I'm going to put it together. <laughs> What's uh, what, is 10 diamonds or is 10 gold? Question. Beer. Beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it's whiskey. So, yeah, why not? <laughs> Andrew, thanks for pulling yourself off the couch and and, and putting your hair up. Um, Thank Stu. God people can't <laughs> see the video or below below my chin. Yeah. Stu, Stu, thanks for shaving at least some today, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I had half a shave, yeah. <laughs> and, and Manuel, as always, you're the, you're the glue that binds this train wreck of a podcast together sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> One of us has to be sensible. Yeah. <laughs> Manuel, where can, um, where can the listeners get uh, all the, uh, the, the truth from, from your MotoGP experience? Well, uh, I am uh, finally, I have opened my new Pesino GP, uh, PesinoGP.com. And it website. looks fantastic. Then there is a, then it, there is another version in Spanish that you can uh, read when you finally learn some Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> there are only four, there are only four hundred million people in the world that speak Spanish. Don't worry, you are not the <laughs> one who don't. No. <laughs> so uh, and there we I have. Uh, the articles I write for different places around the world. I have a, obviously a link with our super podcast and there is also a video section. So have a look there because uh, you will have fun. You will have fun. And if you are still locked down, you have plenty of time to look around. I can back that up. Definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if you've liked the show, I'm actually going to um, do you guys a deal out there in the, in the listener base. Um, if you like the show, refer it to a friend. Send a photo of either you or the friend and we'll throw it on the Instagram feed. Um, and you may or may not get in, uh, Manuel's face next to you on that. That's, that's going to be a deal that's um, not going to be uh, open for too long. But, yeah, if you like the show, tell a friend, take a photo, and, um, yeah, we'll make it worth your while on the Instagram feed. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I want to thank you once again for, for listening. Uh, we've loved putting this together and uh, that's us for another episode. Take care. See Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Look, uh, first of all, hi to everyone. Edra, nice to see you again. With Stu and David, I can't say the same. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Yeah, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs>